Everybody, it's the Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. I am Spectre Scott Powell. And I'm Father Peter Musser. And together, we are Voltron. Voltron. <laughs> we wish. Wait, Dude. is Voltron bad or good? Dude, this is the question. I mean, it depends on how it was used. Mm. I mean, like, let's that's be pro- honest. That's profound. Like... If if you um, were evil, then you could use Voltron in an evil capacity. But I think intrinsically Voltron was good because it was a protagonist for a children's cartoon. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, who's the He-Man antagonist? Oh, dude, Castle Snake? Grayskull. Snake? Yeah. Never mind. I had the wrong. Dude, Castle Grayskull. Dude. I had a Castle Grayskull when I was little. Dude, come dude, on. It was awesome. I loved the Castle Grayskull. You bet you did. Dude, my dog ate my He-Man. <laughs> Do you know how mad I was when my dog ate He-Man? I can't even picture you with a dog. Dude, yeah, I man. Have you ever had a dog? Yeah, I had a poodle with a mohawk, bro. I can see that. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can see that. Oh. Well, you guys, welcome to uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Yeah, we're closing in. On, well, we still have a while for, before Pentecost, right? Yeah, yeah we have quite a while before Pentecost. Yeah, b- before the, the new Pentecost. I feel like I do this every year. I'm like, we're almost there. And it's like, no, you have a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you want to know what it is, is that we're so close to the, the end of school wow. that everything feels like it's about to end. Yeah, perhaps. Like Pen- Easter. Pentecost is a beginning, Father Peter. <laughs> Dude, that was like so painful that you yeah. just said that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You should put it on a burlap banner and well, hang it in the church. Well, this Belt. is this is the thing that um uh, is a big problem okay. is that um I hate inverted speech. We actually <laughs> Scott and I both were talking about how like say what you mean and mean what you say like rather than like baiting somebody and then just like twisting them up and then you're like ah I didn't mean to be reversed entirely from what I was thinking. Thanks for messing with my brain. That's the worst. I just don't like that. It's a form of rhetoric that we feel like is used an awful lot. In a lot of realms, and people love it. And it's disingenuous, and evangelization should not be done that way. No, it should be like, share your heart, that's cool. It should be what Peter's doing. Thanks. He's like, no, I'm telling the truth, I'm doing my thing. Oh, yeah, I'm Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good segue, Father Peter, well, into the readings. Our uh, first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles, A-X-E. Mm. Um, that's a very hard book to find. It's Acts <laughs> of the Apostles. Jeez. Branch one, limb down. two. Yeah, very... <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, I'll, I'll leave that metaphor. <laughs> leave, uh, leave the metaphor. You could have, you could have hit the f harder on that. Leaves, as in leave. Leave, but leaf. Erickson, make like a tree and leaf. Dude, uh, X two fourteen a thirty six to forty one. Yeah, a fun fact about this reading. This is the exact same first, uh, first verse that we had last week. First verse, same as the, the first. first. <laughs> okay. So it, in each case, Peter stands up with the 11 and proclaims something, but this week and last week, he proclaimed something different, <laughs> which is kind of funny. That is actually funny. It Dude, really I, is. I, I, like, I like that the church is just like, yeah, let's just let's We'll just, just recycle this, this one. <laughs> it's easier. That's funny. All right, our responsorial psalm is Psalm, thir- uh, psalm 23, which if you know no other psalms, you probably know this one. Dude, I'll tell you, every once in a while I say, hey, what's your favorite psalm they're like psalm 23 <laughs> of course <laughs> what's your second favorite psalm uh uh dude you know how i was introduced to this psalm how 
from a shepherd. Tammy Faye you. Baker in Bloom <laughs> County singing it on TV. That. Do you remember that I have, strip? You better believe I do. Dude, absolutely. I was like, though I walk within the shadow of the valley. And, and she's like, makeup was running on Absolutely. Dude, wow. All right, Psalm 23, verse 1 through 3a, and then 3b, and then 4, and then 5 and 6. It's a very convoluted reading of Psalm 23. Our responsicle is coming from verse 1. And then our second reading is the first of the Peters, mm. chapter 2, verses 20b to 25. These are some splintered readings this week. I'll tell you that. Dude, I'll tell you. You know what, you know what happened? Tell is me. that, like, dude, I used my iron fist and it just like. And then everything just like blew up, and then you're just catching pieces, man. Are you Voltron? I and uh, um, I'm just gonna let you hang out with that. I like that pop culture reference. Your Iron Fist. Okay, I'll, I'll sit with it. Yeah, yeah. The gospel is coming from John chapter 10, verses one through ten. It's an onomatopoeia. No, it's not an onomatopoeia. I mean a palindrome. A palind- it, it looks like it's a palindrome, but it's really it's not. not. It would have been. Deceiving. It would have been ten one oh one, or ten one. Oh, you just said that. Yep. <laughs> All right. Dude, our, well, good night, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah, you guys. They, hey, thanks for always putting up with us when we do reruns. We don't know that they put up with us. Oh, yeah. They oh, no, I guess it. we do. I see the stats. Yeah. They really do put up. Sometimes our stats are higher for the reruns, <laughs> Dude, which doesn't make any sense that, Well, that just tells you something about something, man. Does it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. It means it means that we're getting worse over time. Oh, just you. <laughs> <laughs> we're not like fine wine. We're like milk. <laughs> we're like a milk. It spoils dude. after a while. Yeah, dude. Like, <sighs> smell this. Taste this. Ah. <laughs> like, <laughs> why does cheese get better over time, but milk gets worse? Isn't that seem like a contradiction? Dude, that's a whole podcast. Ain't nobody got enzymes for that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I see what you did there. Hey, yeah, dude, that's how I that's how I play. Oh my gosh. So Peter. then Peter, he stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice on the southern steps of the temple. Uh, presumably, why do you think it's on the southern steps of the temple, Father Peter? Because there's lots of people who get baptized, and the only place that you could accommodate baptizing three thousand people would be at the mikvah baths. Yeah, that's true. We talked about that. Not last week, but two weeks ago. Yep, mm-hmm. or, or or like a couple years ago. No, we talked about two weeks ago. I remember this conversation. Tom Smith just gave me the idea when I was on the Southern Steps, and then I've always gone with it. I think it's I think it's uh, likely because there's no other place where they could baptize that many people. All right, I I feel like I have so many thoughts. Where this is see, here's my problem. Do you want to know my problem? Tell me. I studied piecemeal, so I studied over the course of a couple of days in bits and pieces, and so I've got all these pieces of information that at the time I was like, "That's a really profound point. I got to bring that up in the podcast." But I'm also really bad at writing things down. Uh, did you know? So, you know what happened is that when you said that, you started blinking really intensely. I think I spit too. It, it was kind of it kind of disturbed me a little bit actually. You'll be fine. <laughs> Dude, for all of those who want us to like put our stuff on YouTube, I'm just gonna say no. You don't. You don't want to see this, dude. You don't want to see this. Trust me. It's kind of. It, we're just gonna let you use your imaginations. Yeah, that's actually more fun. It is actually. Hey, and thanks to everybody who um, has uh, sent in all of the things that you do. Oh yeah. While you listen to the podcast, that's fun. The overwhelming majority is uh, doing doing jobs that people don't want to normally do. Cleaning toilets. I wonder what the uh, doing laundry. I wonder what what the uh, what we could make of that. Something profound. You, you know what it is? I think it's this. I think it's a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Are we the spoonful of sugar? Or are we the medicine? <laughs> the, the cleaning the toilets is the is the spoonful of sugar that dude, helps us. <laughs> that's go down. dude. That's really tough, man. 
yeah <laughs> let's just go with that and uh well, let's not or, or say, let's let's say we did and not great okay i don't know what we're talking about okay so uh you so said Peter it was piecemeal up. so i want to hear about your meal <laughs> and all of its pieces okay all right all right all right okay so right, here's right, so right, so right. here's what we, okay uh, first of all let me just say dude when you sound like that you sound like outcast i am outcast by way of introduction i'm not outcast by way of introduction, this is, uh, and I think we said this three years ago on this podcast as well. <laughs> um, this, to me, is the Sunday of one of these things is not like the other. Let me just preface. And so my question is to try to figure out how, so I, I am under the impression, or I get the impression, that there are three of the readings that have a very, very clear theme. And one of the readings doesn't seem to fit in that theme. Mm. Do you know what the theme is? Did you catch it? Because you've read all these. Maybe we should wait on that. Yeah, g- give me a chance until I've gone through all four with you. Okay, well, we'll, Cause, we'll come cause, back. Because right now, hey, if, you don't, uh, if you're don't, if you not in the habit of actually reading the four readings before you re- mm. listen to the podcast, um, I'm, I recommend downloading an app, maybe like iMissile, pressing play, letting them like play through your ears. And so that as we're talking, you don't feel like, well, they know something that I don't know, that you can read the same <laughs> readings, because sometimes we read them and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we do know things that you don't know. I mean, but th- rarely. That's usually just me. I let oh, Scott, okay. I, I pretend all, right, all, all right, sorts of ways. All, right, all right. Thanks, Outcast. You know what reference I'm making. No, I really don't. I'm from, just laughing politely. From Hey Ya. Hey Ya. Do, 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 do. No. All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, all right. yeah, I got it. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hey ladies. Around. They don't want to hear this. They want to hear the podcast. Um, <laughs> this is the podcast. You're stuck with it. Oh my gosh, Father Peter. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he proclaimed hey, uh, something other than last week. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Um, we get this incre- it's kind of It's kind of funny to me thinking of this week's reading because it, it, it is spliced together and if you just take it for what it is you have peter standing up raising his voice and proclaiming let the whole house of israel know for certain that god has made both lord and christ this jesus who you crucified he gives one sentence and everyone's like oh we're in baptize us (laughs) which is to ignore the fact that there's actually a whole chapter in between where he gives his first major homily right his big speech which we've talked his pentecost speech right yep which if you so okay Oh gosh! So that's what makes this difficult, and partially I'm I'm thrown around because we didn't podcast live last week. We put on a rerun, so I all I want to do is talk about the whole thing, which which recorded us already talked about last week. So you guys don't need that. But Peter's standing up, and so here's what here's what the first thing I'm seeing. What has just taken place? You know this. This isn't a trick question. Yeah, uh, the Holy Spirit's come upon the apostles. Okay, and so they start all speaking in tongues, right? Yep, and they're, everybody's like, dude, these guys are drunk. Yeah. It's only nine in the morning. And that's actually, that's the most important point. Well, it's no, of course it's not the most important point, but that's one thing I was thinking about. They've accused the apostles of being drunk because they're speaking in tongues, which is, it's such a fascinating scene. So the Holy Spirit finally falls on the apostles. They've been waiting, cowering in the upper room, you know, after Jesus' ascension. The Holy Spirit falls. They're empowered. They finally get things. Connections are being made. They go outside. They start proclaiming. And you get the impression that all of these people are, are making these proclamations and proclaiming the mighty deeds of God in all these different languages. So if you are of that particular language, you're hearing the apostles speaking to you in your language, but if you don't know that language, 
then, you know, 90% of the apostles are speaking gibberish and maybe, you know, two of them are speaking a language that you understand. So like, well, I understand what those guys are saying, but everybody else is just speaking gibberish when in fact they're speaking Phoenician or Laodicean or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So you can see why people are like, it's just, they're just talking gibberish, except for that guy who I understand, but everybody else is crazy. So they're like, well, these guys are drunk, or at least most of them are drunk. Well, and so Peter, what happens is really important, though, because what you see is Peter stands up. And when Peter stands up, everything else goes silent. You get the impression that all of the apostles are speaking in tongues. They're proclaiming these things. People are understanding. But then there's confusion. There's an accusation of drunkenness at nine in the morning. Peter stands up and the rest are silent because there is this automatic deference to Peter. The Pope is about to speak. The other apostles stop. The crowd listens. And what Peter begins to do, I think, is to respond to the accusation of drunkenness. No, no, no. We're not drunk. And let me explain to you why. Right. What were you about to say? Because I cut you off. I would say, like, part of the the thought that I have about their drunkenness is, like, why would you call somebody drunk? Like, their their speech can be thickened. Okay. Yes. Thickened. Thickened. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, like, so they're like, oh, so they could, so they could have confused speech according to their ears, except for these two guys are speaking. Yeah. Or when somebody's drunk, they're relaxed and bold. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Like they're That's like they're like, "What's up? Let me call attention, everybody." They're like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> it, like, and if somebody's just kind of like overjoyed That's and true. like excited and thankful and like boldly proclaiming things in a manner that's like that's like kind of out of the ordinary I like yeah that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. That, so so like i wouldn't just necessarily say i would actually have a tendency to say that um because they were speaking in tongues i think that they actually were you could have you could have understood any one of them because it's a miraculous okay. event okay that's fair yeah so that's not the source of why people think they're drunk Right, it's I think it's the, just it's the uh, the uh, bold joy, fearlessness, the fear. Bold. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, interesting. And well, and and you know, you you also might consider uh, it's not that you know. Uh, there's a lot of people in Jerusalem, but a lot of people probably maybe people were familiar with the apostles. Maybe people were like, oh yeah, w- those guys were followers of that one guy who got crucified. They've been cowering in an upper. We, we haven't seen them. They're scared. They're in hiding. And now, and now all of a sudden, right? They're walking around like you must be drunk to have that kind of you you're know, like, guts. You're, you're like liquid courage. Yeah, exactly. They're like they're like, dude, their Messiah just got killed, and now they're at the temple. Yeah, that's interesting. And like they're gonna kill these fools. Well, that's actually really important because we don't get it in this week's reading. We got it last week. But I, I'm struck kind of by who Peter addresses, because Acts of the Apostles is eventually going to tell the story of the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. But here, and again, we skip over this verse, but when Peter proclaims, what he, who he addresses, if you remember, are fellow Jews and you who dwell in Judea. He's speaking to the people of Israel. He's not speaking. So, I mean, make no mistake. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I, I always have this because people are coming from all over the world and have these different languages that are being spoken, I have this universality of, of, to who is there that day. But it's Jews. It's people of the house of Israel, right? Right. And so one of the things he's doing is is making an accusation. Not This isn't anti-Semitism. He's saying, you Jews did this. He's saying, look, we 
did this terrible thing. And I want to come back because you brought up before the podcast something that he says later on in First Peter when he writes a letter, an epistle later on in life when he's had time to reflect on all this. It's striking to me because what he goes on to basically say, like, look, this was Jesus. Who's, here's who he was. Here's what he said. Here's why he is legitimate. He pulls in testimony. Primary, do, do you know what? This is going to come in later. Do you know what Peter's primary testimony is to prove the reality of Jesus? He pulls on one biblical figure that he keeps coming back to, which is his main testimony as to, to the realness and the authority of Jesus. David. It's David. And he keeps going back to David again and again and again. He's like, we know where David's body is buried. He didn't ascend to heaven. We know that David promised that these things would happen. We know that there was going to be a king in the line of David. He keeps going back to David, 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 which I really think is interesting. And I actually think that's the piece that's going to be... Um, what's able to put together the one of these things is not like the other hmm. schema of the readings. At least that's a part of it. So he's basically saying, look, you guys were wrong. So I, what I'm struck by, the other thing I'm struck by, where we kind of pick it up here, when again, skipping over most of the speech, it says when they heard this, and we don't know what the this is because, again, we got it last week. Yeah, you, you just get a one-sentence summary of it. But it says when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And I've always read right past that line, and I go straight to, they say, what should we do about this? And they say, be baptized, and then they're all baptized, and it's really beautiful, and there's 3,000, and it's very, very powerful. But the cutting to the heart is what I was struck by this time, which means that they feel guilty about something, right? Cut, they're cut to the heart doesn't just mean like, oh, yeah, this is true. When I hear they're cut to the heart, I hear, oh, we were wrong about something, yeah, whenever I mean, I'm not I'm not sure of the the Old Testament biblical theology of what the heart is, or even the New Testament. The levav, biblical. it's the place of decision making. Oh, this is very clear in the Old Testament. It is the pla- it, It's not what we think of when we think of the heart. We think of sentimentality, emotion, you know, those kinds of things. That right. is, you know, that's an invention that came from like sappy English literature in the 1700s and 1800s. Honestly, <laughs> the Hebrew understanding levav, L-E-V-A-V. It is the place of, dis- it's closer to what we would think of as the will. That's what the heart is for the Hebrew people, which is, I think, where you're headed with this. Well, actually, now that you are answering something, I was just going to say, I mean, if you're cut, hmm. it, it means that it's gotten through something. Like, if you're cut, oh. you have a skin, and you can talk about people being thin-skinned, thick-skinned, and, but regardless, if you're cut to the core so they're saying that at the very center of our, their being, they're, they're cut. And so yeah. it gets past what their defense is and what they're understanding and like how they're, like whether they're thin-skinned or thick-skinned, it yeah. gets to them. Yeah. And, the, and, and then they understand what's actually taken place. Yeah, but here's what I, I think you're right. But I think what gets to them, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'm putting the pieces together and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, speculating. But I imagine a bunch of people who 50 days prior, 53 days prior, right, were all yelling, crucify him at the foot of, of Pontius Pilate and of Caiaphas, mm. who were yelling, put that man to death, who now are hearing the words of Peter, who are seeing this miracle, who are seeing the workings of grace, who are saying, oh, yeah, that was me who was in the crowd yelling that. I mean, the, the being cut to the heart, yeah, it's breaking through this thing, but I think part of what it's breaking through is a recognition that, yeah, I was a part of killing him. He's not just saying Israel put him to death. He's saying you 
put him to death. You and I, personally. Mm -hmm. And I imagine these people like, yeah, I said that. I was there that day. I don't know if they were. I don't know who was. But you know what? Imagine that moment of like, oh, I told them to crucify him. I fought for Barabbas to be released, not him. Maybe I was wrong. Oh, what have I done? This moment of realization, of understanding. I have I have backed the wrong guy because the response, of course, is, you know, when they say, what do we do? They're looking for something. We need an action. How do we respond to this? Yeah. How do we re- how do we make it right? They listen That's to what I'm hearing. They listen to Def Leppard. <laughs> Precisely. Cut to the heart and That's, you're to blame. Dude, that is Bon Jovi. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that I oh, am calling you out on oh, John man. Bon Jovi. I just got cut to the heart. You give love a bad name. Oh, man. Get it? No, yeah, what, but, how, how do you respond to but the what, place of saying, like, I have made a terrible decision? How do I make it right? Right. That's yeah. their question. Of what, they're not just saying, how do we be a part of this? We want to join. We want to be a part of your club. Yeah. They're saying, how do we make this right? How do, yeah, like... And and which is interesting because it totally images Moses mm. holding up the serpent in the desert. Absolutely. This is actually, yeah. this is precisely like Jesus Christ crucified. Peter is a new Moses Absolutely. Ho- holding up this the, the serpent on the pole. Which is the cross, of course. Which is the cross of Jesus Christ. He's holding up the crucifixion. And yes. and, and what what are they and what's the response? They yeah. say, enter into the crucifixion. Yes, absolutely. I, I, we don't normally make that association here. Well, there's two things, though. That, that's a, because I, I assume you're referring to baptism. Yes. Which is our entrance in. But there's two things because he says, first, repent, which means, remember, originally, when, when Jesus is using this terminology, when Peter's using it, this isn't a theological word. Repentance, we think of a theological meaning. Right. It's not originally a theological word. It's a geographic word. So if you're if you're walking oh. in the wrong direction, to repent simply means to turn around. Isn't that metanoia? Uh, yes, which is the Greek word for repent. That's the word that's being used here. So if you, it, it, conversion metanoia, is re, is repentance? Yes, turn around. Yeah, to turn around. He is saying metanoia and be baptized. So literally, what do they have to turn around from? Well, what what I kind of forget about because, for some reason, I always just kind of see. Acts of the Apostles in this different world as the Gospels. But in the Gospels, remember what Jesus kept saying is you're following following false messiahs. Right. You're following messiahs who will lead you to ruin. I alone am, I mean, as he says in the Gospel of John this week, I am the sheep gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way you're going to have life. So what do they repent from? Peter's saying you need to repent from the false messiahs. You need to repent of all of these other people that you're following after. And follow only this one. That is what they're turning back from. Their political alliances, their, their, um, you know, their expectations, their, their, their desires of power and wealth and influence. All of these things turn back from all that because you're headed in the wrong direction. And then be baptized. Turn from those things and then enter in. Because all the other messiahs of this time, and there were thousands of them, hundreds at least, they're all saying, if you follow me, I'll give you wealth and power and authority and we'll tear down the Roman Empire and we will be powerful and we'll have the thrones of gold. I mean, this is what the apostles are buying into on the way up to Jerusalem. They're like, well, we want the thrones at your right and your left hand because that's what Messiah's promised, right? That's what kings are going to bring. They're going to bring power and authority and military might and economic flourishing and all these things. That's what we want. And Peter's like, yeah, that's not what this Messiah is bringing. He's bringing the cross. And if you want to follow him, you have to enter into your own death through baptism and go down into that. And, and 
I mean, what's astonishing is that 3,000 people say, yeah, mm-hmm. we get it. We see that. I, I'm, I'm, the, the repentance is a big thing. Now, here's why I'm struck by it, and here's how it's going to relate to First Peter in a few minutes. Peter, I think, okay, take this, take this for what you will. I think Peter has just gone through this same thing. I mean, what happened? What, what do you have? Who is Peter? Well, Peter, remember, he's the hot-headed guy who promised Jesus he would never leave his side. I'm going to fight for you no matter what. Cut off the soldier's ear, remember, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then a couple hours later, denies ever knowing the guy. Totally turns his back. Is essentially put in the category, the camp, of those yelling, crucify him. He's like, no, I, I don't know this guy. He realizes it. He is cut to the heart. That's Peter's story, right? Right. Peter is cut to the heart. And he turns back and he runs to Jesus when he raises, rises from the dead, right? Yeah. Th- that's Peter, who had his own metanoia, is now calling upon Israel to have a national metanoia. Mm. Enter into what I have done. Nice. I've experienced this. Now that, it's your turn. Dude, that's the good. Yeah, which I thought was kind of a neat association. So he is a particular authority to say this. Nice. Which leads us into to the, the shepherding. Yes, the shepherding, and the, you know, of course the good shepherd in, in Psalm 23. I never noticed this, but um, in, in one of the commentaries I was reading, because Pentecost, you know, we have baptism happening. The, the Catholic understanding sees confirmation taking place at Pentecost, right? And so uh, there's a traditional reading of Psalm 23 that has references to baptism, to confirmation. Remember, you anoint my head with oil, you lead me to still waters, baptism, anointing my head with oil, confirmation. And it talks about a table richly set and all this stuff. You have the Eucharist. It's a very sacramental psalm. So you have all these references basically to what's happening at Pentecost. So it's not just about the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. He's going to lead us. It's going to be really great. But there's a sacramental reality uh, that echoes what's happening at Pentecost in Psalm 23. Absolutely. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. While being led to the water and while being confirmed with the oil on my head. It's just kind of beautiful. So there's, there's lots of reference points there. But we'll leave that for what it is. Um, Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want, because he's provided it for me. And this is really, I think, again, that repentance, the metanoia that Peter's asking for. There's nothing you shall want. You want all these things. You want all that stuff that you're chasing after. Come and die with Jesus in baptism. And there's nothing else that you will want because you will be given all of it. So that, that it's, a, it's an applicable psalm for that moment. And then we get to the second reading, right? First Peter, which we were talking about before the podcast, right? Beloved, if you are patient when you suffer for doing good, this is a grace before God. Oh, were you reading to me what was right before that? Yeah, yeah. You talked about if you suffer for doing what's wrong, that doesn't do you any good. Yeah, it's funny. It included it in my verbum. Hold on. did it? Yeah, listen listen to how it says. It says, um, um, uh, what credit is there for you if you are patient when being beaten for doing wrong? <laughs> oh, that stinks. <laughs> it's, like, it's rough. Dude, which is li- like my brother and I's ancient, um, our ancient debate. Is it better to be in prison for doing something that you knew that you committed or being in prison for something that you know you didn't do? Which would you prefer? <sighs> Can I choose neither? No. That's a terrible question. No. Wait, being imprisoned for something that you, you did do. Well, I guess that one, just or for being, the sake of principle. But then being in prison for sleep something. at night. But then, uh, then if you did something and you didn't do it, wait, you, then you're suffering unjustly like Christ. Wait, but you said if you could be imprisoned for something that you know you did do. Yeah, like, okay, you're in prison. Yeah. Did you do it or did you not do it? Which would be better 
doing it. See, not doing it. I think I would do it. Not doing it. <laughs> I would. I would. The suffering would be greater if you d- had not done it. Oh yeah, the suffering then, is greater for sure if you had not done but it. But then, like, and but probably then, the redemption is greater as well, and all that stuff. It's 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 the better portion, right? Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, you're right. Yep. No, I think that's I think that's true. Well, that's a that's a fascinating question. But then, but then we go on to say, you know. Um, but if you are patient when you suffer for doing good, for doing what is good, this is a grace before God. Okay, here's what I'm struck by with that. Take it for what you will. Amen. Peter's done both. Oh. Right? I mean, I'm thinking, and I don't know what's going on in his head, but suffering and being beaten for doing what was wrong. I mean, you got to imagine for his entire life at the forefront of Peter's mind and conscience is this moment that he rejected his Lord. The at Pope the, rejected the, most the Lord. Cri- at the critical. most critical moment. I imagine he beat himself up quite a bit about that. Right. And I just wonder, is he referencing himself there? Yeah, I I rejected Christ and I was punished for that. And I, I felt that punishment and I beat myself up and there was all, you know, there, this was ugly. But now I understand that the better part is suffering for doing what is good. I've actually experienced both. I've been on both sides mm. of this. So he answers the thing that he'd rather be in prison for doing what is <laughs> Yeah, basically. For not doing something. Basically. Right. And then, and I, yeah, I just, I just, it's such a fascinating thing to look at the elder Peter, Pope Peter, reflecting back on all these things. Who has now, you know, become... Well, I mean, it, it, I, I was kind of laughing at this because then the last lines it said, for you had gone astray like sheep, the people of God had. <laughs> but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardians of your souls. And there was this part of me that's <laughs> like, did they just kind of do a quick search? of like, okay, what, what passage has the word shepherd in it? Because we need to <laughs> include that in this Sunday, Dude, it was which really, is not what's going on. Dude, it's really funny. I was at a wedding this last weekend in Tennessee. Tennessee. And, Tennessee. Uh, for Mikey and Becca and... Uh, they were, it was like late that the, the uh, party had like wound down, all the dancing was done and they were going to go camp in another meadow because we were at like this Catholic camp, um, Camp Marymount in, in Tennessee. Cool. And, uh, and uh, they went to go camp and somehow all the goats <laughs> had been let out. So they're at one thirty in the morning, like oh having gosh. to like herd goats. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's the best. I know. And like, and, and the, like, and so one of the one of the gals, um, Claire, <laughs> was like trying to like get other like the the bridal party to like come and help, but she's a jokester, so she's oh, no. like, "Hey, there's all these goats and we need to herd them." Would and you nobody please believed help? her. She's the girl who cried goat. She cried goat, <laughs> dude. And when she cried goat, nobody <laughs> responded. I mean, like that's it, fantastic. It's straight out of a storybook, oh, man. That's fantastic. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it really is. Yeah. Well, speaking of goats, let's lead to the gospel. We get to the gospel. Okay. So Jesus, of course, such a famous line. One of one of these. Okay, the first reading does not fit with the, the first other reading. Three. That's the implication, yeah, it's a, right? It's like, and we spent the most time on that one, of course. But it's good, but because I think it does fit, but bah, it takes bah, the bah. most work, right? Okay. At first glance, it doesn't fit, but it does. Okay. Uh, amen. Jesus says, "Amen, amen." I say to you. Remember, "Amen, amen" is a it's it's almost a, a vowel formula saying this is really important. What yep. he's saying here, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere, is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay, Jesus is mixing his metaphors here, and I've been <laughs> frustrated by it all day. And Jesus obviously knows what he's doing, but I'm struggling a little bit because who is Jesus? Well, he's the shepherd, of course, right? 
Yeah, there's lots of subjects and verbs here. <laughs> but what is Jesus also? So we, we talked. He's the shepherd and the gate. He's also the gate. So as was often the case in the Middle East, you know, in these hillsides where the shepherds would take their, their flocks and herd them, you know, as they're traveling around, they were, they were actually a, dotted across the Middle East. There were these sheepfolds or these pens, basically, that people would construct either out of rocks or, you know, hewn into hillsides somehow, sometimes. Or, or sometimes the shepherd would just, you know, for the night, they'd build up a little rock wall. And they would put their flock inside of it. But to block it off, oftentimes the shepherd himself would sleep in the, the entryway so that literally the shepherd was the gate. So that, you know, if anybody tried to get in, they had to get through him. Or any of the sheep tried to get out, they had to get through him, right? Which is so profound when Jesus talks about himself being the gate. But he's also the shepherd. And so the metaphors are a little mixed up there because he's talking about people going in to the sheepfold, but they have to pass through the gate. Well, is he the shepherd or is he the gate? Well, the answer is yes, but there's a caveat to it, right? So hold on to that. Does that make? Does the problem make sense, sort of? Yes, I mean, well, I'm, this, I'm rushing through it because I know the, you got to go. The the problem is, is the gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Yes. So he, oh, like he's speaking of it in uh, grammatically as in an alternative reality. Kind of, I suppose. He has to open himself <laughs> because yeah. he's the gate, right? Um, so the question oh, comes, no. the question that comes, the, the Greek, oh yeah, yeah, who enters through the thyrus. So yeah, actually yeah, yeah. The, the Greek is actually sneakier and allows mm. the metaphor, the, the translators are a little bit too exacting. Ah, what's, what's, it, it says, um, uh, truly I say to you, the one who does not enter through the door, thyrus, into yeah. the fold of the sheep, but yeah. climbs up at some other place, that one is a thief and a robber. The one who enters through the door, the shepherd is of the sheep. Yeah. For this one, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep, uh, his voice here. Yes. And his own sheep, he calls by name and leads them out. Yeah. So it's it's just trickier. It's it's It allows, it's convoluted it, it allows Jesus to be the, she, the sheep gate. Okay. In the okay. Greek, a little bit easier. Okay. Can I give you an image? No. Okay. 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 So uh, Ken Bailey, Kenneth Bailey, you know, one of my favorite scholars. Oh, yeah. I love he, Ken. he has an image here that he has proposed. And I, it, it, it's an analogy and it falls apart a little bit. But he, he describes a typical Middle Eastern village, right? Where in one of these villages, you might have the residents of that village, each of them have like a sheep or two or a couple of goats, you know, for their personal use. But oftentimes they would have one of the members of the community, maybe a child or a couple of the kids, would act as the shepherd. And so every morning, the shepherd would come down the street and they would either be singing a song, like a, the same song or blowing a whistle or something like that. And it would be the call for everyone would open their gates and their animals would go out to the street and follow the shepherd. And every morning it was kind of the routine, right? Because they didn't, they, they can't all shepherd. There's only a couple flocks apiece. So everyone's coming out their doors and they're following the familiar, but they recognize the tune and they recognize the voice, right? Or, and oftentimes in the Middle Eastern culture, the shepherd would literally name each sheep. So that he could call them out as he was passing through the village and like call to each one, which is just, it, it's kind of a beautiful image. And they're all kind of going out and following after him, which, which I love. And of course it's Jesus, right? Who's the voice. But, but two problems arise for me, which number one is what is this sheepfold? What is the pen that they're going to within the metaphor, right? The church. Number, well, okay. That's, that's what's most likely, but it, it's, it's trickier. So probably the church, I mean, that's what I think. But then number two, if that's the case, so who are the shepherds of the people in the time of Jesus? The 
people who are in the fields. Oh, okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, there are shepherds. They're literal shepherds. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, that's a, that's not a. But who are the shepherds of the people? Those are there are shepherds of animals. The, the priests and the the Levites. But now in the time of uh, at the Pentecost, we've had Peter and James before, and John. Well, and before them though. So yes, that, they're gonna. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! <laughs> so prior to that, you'd think it would be the priests and the Levites, but they're rarely called the shepherds. It's actually the Pharisees who call themselves shepherds, which twists it a little bit because the Pharisees are always misleading people. I am struck by the <laughs> fact that Jesus keeps saying there's a bunch that came before him and the sheep never recognized the voice of strangers and the sheep all run away from the stranger's oh. voice, which is ironic because in the time of Jesus, one of the things he's always going up against is the fact that all the sheep are listening to the false shepherds. They are following after those voices that are not truly his. And so there's a certain amount of untruth in what he's... Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I don't know how to reconcile that. Because these a lot of the Pharisees, these some religious leaders, are really misleading people and creating she sheep without a shepherd. And they're wandering and they don't know what to do, which is why, you know, Dude, they're that's being some, gathered back in. That's some bullshit. <laughs> nice work. But do you see the problem? I don't know. It, it frustrates me a little bit. Because I, I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around what exactly he's saying. Because there are false shepherds who are misleading sheep. And maybe, maybe he's getting at the fact that those aren't really the true sheep. Maybe they're not part of that fold. And maybe, I don't know, do you see the problem though? Yeah, I do. So Jesus is both, right? He's the gate, of course, and he is the, the, the shepherd. So he says again, amen, amen, I say to you, I am the, I am the gate, and all who became before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them, even though some of them did. Hmm. Even a lot of the 3,000 that are gathered there at Pentecost probably listened to the false shepherds and maybe were led to yelling for Jesus to be crucified because they were misled. And so maybe Jesus is speaking in sort of a, a teleological sense of like, in the end, when they do finally hear the voice of the true shepherd, they'll hear him. They will listen, Right. Which is why I'm struck by the fact, okay, who is the shepherd? Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd. So where does the first reading fit in? Well, whose voice is being recognized in the first reading? Well, and well, you have to look at the, the whole concept of the book of Acts of the Apostles, which is the, uh, the apostles are taking up the work of Jesus and doing it double. And, like, and so Luke is actually showing how all of them are in Christ. Yes. And that the church is in Christ and that this is the mystical body of Christ being expressed within the world through his those who have joined themselves through baptism and the descent of the Spirit. So with that very important caveat being said, it's the on voice a very simple level, Lord. whose voice are they hearing? The Lord's. But on a practical level. The churches. Peter, the Peter's, Pope. right? They're hearing the voice of the Pope, which tells me, without any theological trouble— that Jesus has actually given the authority of shepherd to that guy. Mm. Because, and this is where I've been convoluted, where the, 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 the mixed metaphor of John actually begins to make sense. Because in John's, in the parable of John, he gives allowances for more than one shepherd. There is the gate, there is a shepherd. Who is Peter? Peter's the one to whom Jesus is opening the door to the pen to lead the rest of the sheep in. How? Why? Well, because Peter has laid his life down. 
They've got to go through the gate. Well, what's the gate? Well, you actually said three years ago. If you think about the gate, what is the shepherd doing when he is acting as that gate in the pen? Well, he lays himself down, which is an image of either sleep or death. The image of the gate is good. the shepherd. Yeah, yeah, you were really good. You are really good. But he lays himself down, which images death. So in order to get into the sheep pen, in order to lead the sheep into this pen, which is the church, of course, like you said, you got to go through the gate. Well, what is the gate? It's death. You have to go down into that moment of death. And what we, has Peter done? He's done that. He's died and risen again with the Lord. And we're at the southern steps again at the mikvah baths. Yeah. And now we have a complete bow tie on this whole beautiful yes. Sunday's readings. Well, wow, Scott, that was awesome. It was cool. Dude. Well, y'all, thanks for joining us. Thanks for scrubbing and keeping it real. Keep it real. We got to go. We'll see you next week. Happy Easter still. Ah. We'll see you then. Okay. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.